1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Rev Covery. Sarah and I are so very delighted to be able to bring to you this episode. For those of you that may not know, Rev Covery is a podcast for people that were in ministry or maybe were in church in a volunteer capacity and you're now a little bit burnt out, you're a little bit worn out, and you're wondering what to do next. If that's you or you're interested in that story, you've come to the right spot. My name is Justin, my co-host is Sarah. We both left ministry after many years of service for different reasons, but we we want to help you and we want to host conversations and we want to host ideas to help ministry be different and to help ministers find their place in the world, wherever that happens to be, whether it's in the ministry or out of it. So this week we have with us the absolutely delightful David Hayward. You may know him from the internet as the Naked Pastor. He was a pastor for many years, quite successful, honestly, but had uh, passions that drove him elsewhere. He now is a cartoonist and he cartoons, draws, writes, um, not quite sure how to say it, but he, he's, his work speaks very strongly to the experience of those of us that have had questions about church and questions about how things are done and questions about why the church isn't quite like the Jesus that we read about. And his work has been incredibly beneficial to myself, and I know to Sarah as well. Uh, He also has a new book that is coming out called Flip It Like This. That should be out now. And if you'd like to hear more from him, go ahead and check that book out. If you want to discuss more in our community, we'd love to have you join our Discord server. There'll be details uh, near the end of the podcast about that. And uh, stick around at the end uh, for the weekly poem and or quote. I'm going to get out of your way now, and we're going to start our conversation with David Hayward. Friends, welcome to another Rev Covery. I'm so excited to be speaking with Dave, not just because he's an excellent cartoonist, but he's also a Canadian like me. And uh, so he's currently seated in my home and native land. I'm in California, and he's, you're in Newfoundland, or no, you're in Nova Scotia right now, yeah? No. No, nope. New, New Brunswick. I'm from I'm, Newfoundland. I'm wearing I'm wearing a Canadian T-shirt. That shirt is just for you. He put yeah, this on. I did. What, what does it say? It says Canada Dreaming on it. Oh, nice. So nice. this is some great podcasting, guys. Where we this are talking great, about the great radio uh, um, clothing clothing choices. <laughs> Dave, welcome. What we what we love to do is just hear a little bit of story about kind of. Your ministry, uh, what that looked like if you worked in ministry. Some of our the folks that are on come on never worked in ministry, but you are someone who was in ministry. So if you'll give us a brief kind of what that was like, how that started for you, and then we'll kind of dive into a conversation. Okay. Well, thanks again for having me on your show, and hello everyone. So I I started uh, you know 
I dove into the deep end right out of the womb into the church. Uh, I was baptized as an Anglican, and then church was pretty much, uh, or Christianity at least, was pretty much a pretty strong component in our in our home growing up. My my mom and dad were kind of Billy Graham crusade kind of people, uh, but we weren't faithful to any one denomination because we moved a lot. So we just went to where it was convenient, and I ended up not developing uh, an allegiance to any one denomination until I call myself my own ecumenical movement because we've been everywhere. <laughs> so then in, uh, when I was a teenager, I got born again. Yeah, you did. <laughs> real, real, uh, at a youth group, and it was in a Baptist church, and I talked my family all into going to this really cool Baptist church. And then in, within a year, we switched to a Pentecostal church. I went to Pentecostal Bible College, met Lisa from Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Uh, then I went to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston. Graduated. Long story short, I was going to go for my PhD in New Testament, with Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff. And I we sort of got sidetracked because Lisa and I were now expecting a child, and we took a, a short route into the ministry. I kind of ended up there accidentally. <laughs> uh, you're looking at two accidental ministry people. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so we're we're all here by a, accident for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was offered a, an opportunity I couldn't refuse. And so I, I, I uh, got another uh, diploma. I got a diploma of ministry at McGill University in Montreal and then got ordained into the Presbyterian Church in Canada, served there for, I think, 10 or 12 years. And then we missed sort of the experiential side of church and we <laughs> ended up going to the vineyard and I served in a vineyard church. Oh, okay. Years of my ministry. And then I left the ministry in 2010 and then went whole hog into Naked Pastor. All right, so you left in 2010. What was the catalyst for you leaving, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that? And then we've got to hear why Naked Pastor, because yeah, we give the disclaimer, uh, if we ever post video of this, this man is fully clothed. Yeah. Yes. So I started my blog, Naked Pastor, in 2005. Actually, I started it as davidhayward.ca, CA for Canada. Then I called myself Church Pundit, dot com for a while that was boring and a little bit pretentious <laughs> and then uh, i thought naked pastor at the time naked chef naked archaeologist naked ah. truth yeah. all those things were popular at the time they all did the wise thing and 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 abandoned those names i never did <laughs> and uh so, but i just wanted to be like there was a lot of pastors blogging but i wanted to be really honest and vulnerable and transparent and real no adornments. I just wanted people to see behind the curtain of church and ministry mm -hmm. to see what the life of a real pastor was like. You know, not all the growing churches and planting churches and wonderful worship music and great offerings and, you know, all the programs and wonderful sermons available online, all that stuff. I wanted them to see my struggles, my tensions in our marriage, uh, financial hardships, conflict. So I was just I wanted them to see everything and my critique of the church itself, as well as my doubts and fears. So that's why I called myself the Naked Pastor. And so my honesty basically is just my online journal, really. And then in 2006, I discovered, uh, like I'd been an artist my whole life, but I discovered that I, I really like a good cartoon. And you're like, really good at it. Like really good at it. The New Yorker is my oh, yeah. bar. Cool yeah. Bar. Oh, cool so theater. good. And I thought, I'm going to try cartooning, see what happens. <laughs> and they took off. And, and so I never stopped. And 
and and again, my cartoons are just me being honest and vulnerable and open, transparent, all that. As a result, some people didn't like what they saw. And <laughs> shocking. Uh, shocking. Eventually, yeah, they eventually got back to head office and other churches, local churches, my own people. You know, up to that point, my the people in my church were like, why would we read your blog? We already have to listen to you every week. <laughs> and then it was eventually becoming a, an issue because other people were talking about it. And then it got to the point where I realized, you know what? It's probably best for the church and best for my own person and personal health that we parted ways. I felt I felt like I had come to the edge of the box and I needed a bigger box. But then I realized, hey, I don't even need a box. And that's when I left the ministry in 2010. Yeah, it's such a neat thing that I feel like when we talk about how do we express what we're seeing, there's something magical about a good cartoon. It's like the least, the fewest words, biggest image, and it yeah. captures people so quickly. And it allows, we've talked to a couple of people who are kind of more the meme side, the funny side. And it's, and what we realize is sometimes the things that harm us or are difficult for us, we can approach it in humor first before we can approach it in other ways. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful for your cartoons because there have been times I've sent things to people that I haven't quite known how to say what I feel about the situation, but I can send them a cartoon and be like, here. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, that's one of my cartoons is there's a a young woman at her laptop and she's saying, how do I let people know online that my beliefs are changing? And then then he says, you could share a naked pastor cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah i i do appreciate how your humor and cartoons can really straddle a line in some ways i mean because they're i see them shared by people that i'm like i don't think you know what you're sharing (laughs) um you know like people that are very evangelical and i'm like oh oh you're starting you know i saw that happen a couple weeks ago dr brown should I say that? You can oh, no, that. you can say it. You can say it. That's fine. Who's a very right-wing conservative theologian, shared one of my cartoons. <laughs> and, and people were like, do you, in the comments, I could read him. He was like, they were like, do you realize who you were just shared? You know? So then he had to backtrack. And uh, and uh, so it was, he never took it down, I don't think, but he, he certainly did in the comments backtrack and uh, dismissed me, but appreciated the cartoons. It, so I, I find that to be very refreshing that you can be a person that kind of occupies both those spaces in some ways. And because mm. I've seen people that are like, you know, essentially atheists that are also sharing your cartoons as well, because they mm-hmm. see and resonate something in there. And I, I guess I want to ask it. Leaving ministry can be it's a different thing. Everyone does it differently. And some people are very much that like, yep, I'm done. Not even interested anymore. I'm going to go be a salesman real estate engineer and it's just that's there was a there was a life here a true pastor would try to be all of those things because we're all mostly adhd yeah, we're all, so yeah, i would want to yeah. be like i'll be a salesman a real estate agent yeah, and, uh, i will say if i was to list all the careers i've done it <laughs> it's not a coherent narrative yeah. yeah dave your your career trajectory makes total sense to me yeah, yeah of course you're still not doing this and understand sure. that obviously but there are some people that still want to occupy that space and i guess like what may obviously there was the cartoons that maybe kind of helped transition, but why are you still in it? I guess would be a question, my question. And then maybe how did you discern 
this is my role now versus my role as a pastor formally in a church? Right. Well, so for me, the I, I struggled with ministry the whole time. Like I said, my original ambition was to become a Bible scholar and, you know, that kind of route. But I ended up in the ministry. I never intended that. I actually went to Bible college first to become a musician, like a professional musician. They had a great music program. So I, I struggled with ministry the whole time, but I felt I did a good job. I was I was a pretty good pastor, I'll, I'll, I'll say. And I, I love the challenge of, of helping facilitate healthy community. Mm. And so I really love that challenge. But it just got to the point where I realized they didn't want what I could feel we could enjoy. Um, that, that's not my idea of community. And no. that, although that, that is a lot of people's idea of church. Yes. We, we, we pay you to teach us what to believe and how to behave. And, and I was the total opposite of that, where I wanted to provide a, 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 a space where, or help facilitate a space where people felt safe to grow at their own pace, in their own direction, in their own way. But I come to find out a lot of people don't really want that when it comes to that. So that's why I ended up leaving the ministry is I just felt it was time. And actually, you actually quoted me when I left a, me a certain meeting. I just texted Lisa was working. She's a nurse. I texted her. I'm done. <laughs> she texted yeah. me back. Me too. And, nice. and within a couple of weeks, I'd been there a pastor for like 15 years. And within, within a month, anyway, I was gone and there was another pastor replaced me. And um, it was it was that quick, but I'd, I I'd always struggled with being in the ministry. But when I knew it was time, I always wanted some kind of clarity to know when it was time to go. And the clarity came as clear as the moon was in the sky that night when I left that meeting. I knew I'm done, and and then I left. But I'm talking a lot here. But no, the point. very important. <laughs> something very important happened many years earlier. And that was, I was in the ministry in the Presbyterian church and I, I was a country pastor. I had three churches and I preached three times every Sunday. And after five years, I was invited to go plant a Presbyterian church in an area that didn't have a Presbyterian church. And that there, you know, so they wanted me to plant the church. They felt I was good enough of a pastor to, to accomplish something like that. So I took the job and I thought, here's my chance to create my kind of church from scratch. But Within two years, I hated my job. <laughs> <laughs> Every lapsed Presbyterian came out of the woodwork. Yep. They came to my church and told me what they expected and required. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I hated my job. I hated my life. I felt so trapped. I felt hopeless. I had three little kids, Lisa, our car payment. Uh, we lived in the manse or the parsonage, whatever you want to call it. Like, And I, I was getting an income. Blah, 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 blah. I felt totally trapped. One night I went to bed, I was in tears. I was like, what am I going to do? I, I, I felt so hopeless and depressed. But I had a dream that night. And in the dream, I heard, it's time. That's all I heard. And I woke up laughing. Wow. And Lisa's laughing. The kids come and jump on the bed. They're laughing. What's so funny? I said, I'm not trapped. I can just quit. Oh, that's so and, great. And Lisa's like, yes, you can. And so... I, I just quit. I realized so I wasn't trapped. I was afraid of the consequences of living free. 
Yeah. Legitimate. Right. Broke, homeless. You know, I mean, these are the fears of everybody who listens. So we're really lucky in that we have a Discord where it's like a channel where those who are patrons are participate and have and it's it's really lovely for Justin and I to see some new people will come in and they'll either be like, I just I just told them last week or I'm going to tell them next week or whatever it is. And the fears are always the same. And everybody pauses. Nobody says, oh, don't worry, it gets better. I have not seen it be where the person doesn't have like a bunch of people say to them, yes, it does. And and it will get better. But but in this moment, absolutely what you're saying is true. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. The fear of being broke. We have to remember to the system, all of our systems. I grew up United Church of Canada, so a little different system. But a lot of the systems we were taught were taught to help us fear leaving. Yes. Right? The world out there is so different. People aren't going to understand you, which is true in some ways, but that doesn't, uh, it is not as, sep- as separating as you think. And there are more people in the world than you even can comprehend who are willing to be part of your life outside of that structure that says, if you leave the structure, you, it is going to, it is nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth out there. You don't, you found the thing. So stick in the thing. And then you're afraid, what if I leave the thing? And so for God or your vision or whatever it was in your dream to say, nah, you're good. (laughs) I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew I was, I was free. It was time. It was time for me to go. That's so good. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I was, there were moments where I was like, what have I done? Like, but I, I carried that memory to 2010 where I realized I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm feeling trapped. I'm not going to be afraid. It's going to work out. It always has, and it always will. And that might be naive of me, but it has so far proved true. So in 2010, when I quit, it did take a while. And I did, you know, lie in a bed of sweat, wondering what have I done? It eventually worked out, and I'm freer now than I've ever been, and happier. But it, you know, it took time to get through that transition. It is traumatic. You don't. It is. You know what my biggest fear was? Being being a hireling. Mm. You know that I, I I did it while I enjoyed it, but once the wolves showed up, I took off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or whatever. So uh, that was my worry was not holding up my end of the deal. And yet, I feel like. Your so I think uh, Jess and I both actually talked about this, and we spoke a little bit with Brian McLaren recently about this, like the idea that if I don't stay, who are going to be the allies for people who we were sort of in some ways standing Mm -hmm. between them and the hurtful church, right? So for me and my community that I led, it was LGBTQIA completely affirming, and and that's it's great to do that within United Methodist Church, kinda. So for our church, it was fine. But I recognize like the universal United Methodist Church, like kind of we've got this huge split going on. And if I leave who and again, it's a weird Jesus complex that we shouldn't have. But I think the reality, too, is to feel to feel that and say, yes, that is. And then what are other ways I can be an ally that that might be even more helpful? Because I think about like one of that I got pretty teary this year. You had posted it was right around when Texas was going batshit and you had posted a little a little girl holding a photo of a trans sheep. Kai. Yeah. Um, yes. It it was just and I can't remember if it was a little girl or a little boy, actually, to be honest. I don't remember the gender of the child. It's yeah, and holding the, the Yeah. Yeah. I, and and holding that 
photo. Uh, and I just thought, wow, you know, I wonder if when leaving ministry, you ever could have imagined that a kid that you didn't know personally, that you weren't in, could have something like that, an image, not even a lot of words, like a sermon. My sermons would not matter to a seven-year-old in most cases, <laughs> or they'd be like, what was that? But a just that image, I even get teary thinking about it now, how they have that to hold on to when the rest of the world is kind of saying that the God doesn't value. Mm-hmm. Her and her poor family had to flee Texas, say. Eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally. Oh, yeah. good. So she did get out. Yeah, I think that's the, sometimes I think we're standing in the way of our own ability to be used in different ways too, if you want to use that language or or not, or you don't have to be profound, guys. That's the other thing too. Don't leave to be profound, leave to be yourself and then find the freedom in that. Yeah, you'll be much more profound. Yeah, well, you, you asked me why I, I'm, why I still, still am in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I get that asked that a lot, and I ask myself that a lot. Like some people are like, "If you hate the church so much, why do you talk about it all the time?" Or whatever. It's because I feel like I'm in between and somewhere where I'm helping people leave or change their relationship with the church and with the faith and so on. Like I feel like I'm there, sort of as a encourager. So I, that's the one side is I I try to encourage people who are questioning their beliefs or the relationship with the church. But on the other hand, the church is going to be with us. Religion is going to be with us. I'm not one of those that believes it should be abolished. And it's, that's stupid anyway. You can't abolish religion or the church. You know, you know, it's like a cockroach. You just can't do it. It's a lot, <laughs> yeah. And I think it deserves to survive the church. But please, can we do it in a healthy manner? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Can we do it in a little less traumatizing way? And I, yeah. Yeah. what's fascinating to me is that you you say that I'm in that liminal space between for people, right? The thing that I really value too, and Justin kind of hinted to this a little bit, I've used your cartoons to explain to my non-religious friends what it was like to be a female lead pastor. Oh. So you have this image of a female speaking and a male speaking in a church and the guy is speaking and everyone's like, oh, he's so handsome. He's sweating because he's working so hard. And then on the women's end, it's like, why is she wearing? She only got this job because of her looks. And and I showed this recently to my friend who said, wait, was that what it was like for you? And I said, every Sunday. And he was like, I can't like in in his profession and as someone who didn't grow up within the religious sphere he was like i can't imagine anyone saying those things about my female like it just wouldn't even be accepted for you to i mean it exists right all the microaggressions exist in other industries but i am so thankful for your giving an image that helps me give words for folks who don't understand it because he said that that i understand why you got so burnt out like that's not only are you like working hard to do the thing and love the people but then you're also like fighting the people who supposedly are on your team, not even realize that they're saying these terrible things about you. And so I'm grateful for that. And also you leave space for church to still, for Jesus to still matter. And I think that's beautiful. I mean, I think some of the images I have in my mind of just Jesus being the most Jesus in my estimation, right, of Jesus. And and yet the world not getting it and, you know, worshiping, the, even the image of the like white Jesus and 
actual Jesus is looking at the picture of himself on the wall going like, who's that guy? Yeah, who <laughs> is think... this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and we all can relate. I was never a Christian. I've been a Jew this whole time. Like, <laughs> so confused by like, this. Yeah. I, it's, it is fascinating to me. And, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes and we've talked about it on our Discord. Like, why these stories still matter? Even though, like, the, the church has been such a source of pain, and particularly for ministers, particularly for, you know, female presenting ministers as well, it's, it is such a source of pain. And, but at the same time, there's a lot that I can't let go of still. And, and I think, too, it, it, obviously, the way I hold it is very different now than I did as a pastor, as a, as a paid spokesperson for Jesus. We always say as a pro- when I was a professional, professional Christian. Professional Christian, yeah. <laughs> Back when I was a pro, I definitely hold it differently now. But for some reason, it still sticks with us. And it obviously still sticks with you. You mean in a negative way or some positive way? In a positive way. Positive like, way. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't just say Christianity hurt me, I'm done. Some people do that, and I, I don't, I don't have a problem with people doing that. Well, and you I did just, for a while. For a little while, I did, sure. Like, what? Just to give you an idea, Dave, we're thinking about making shirts that say, "Oh fuck, I'm still a Christian," because it's yeah. like, what do I do with this thing? Yeah, like, yeah. Have you seen my cartoon where the guy's got an ex-Christian tee? Sure. No, no. And, the, and he's got a, he's attached to a big ball and chain, and the yes, I have seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I held it that way for a while, but now I, I, I begin to, I'm starting to approach Christianity again. Not that I'm not really calling myself a Christian per se, but I'm approaching faith again in a different way where it isn't that ball and chain. Cause I do think so many, I don't want to be an ex pastor my entire life. I don't want to be an ex evangelical my whole life. I don't want that to be, yep, this is who I am. This is an ex evangelical podcast by ex evangelical people talking about ex evangelical things. Talking about. <laughs> Talking about their ex forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, I guess, why do you, why is it that we still stick to this story, even though it's hurt us? Like, where is that kind of, and, and I'm not asking you to say, because it's the true gospel or something, <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> That's what I was going to say, no. <laughs> um, no. but yeah, well, I guess, why is it that we, we still stick with this, even though it hurts maybe. And, and how do we, how do we approach it in a different way? Like, um, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. Maybe how do you approach it in a different way? I'm yeah, not going to ask you to be prescriptive wanted, for all people. Yeah. One of our patients wanted to know if you had any practices that you have engaged in. I think I think the biggest felt need or the, the biggest presenting symptom of deconstruction, well, there's doubt and fear of hell and all that, relationship to God or whatever, all that kind of stuff. But I think the the deepest felt need that most people experience is loneliness and sudden lack of community. And like, so I just got off a podcast not long ago and so many questions. What do I do about my family is constantly asking me questions and I don't have any friends and I miss the community and I miss the intent. And, and it's, it's powerful. And so I got acquainted with the theological idea and it's, I think it's a good one that the church ought to be a microcosm of what the world should look like. Now, fortunately, that can be abused and taken, hey, we're all right-wing fundamentalist, you know, nut jobs. Everybody in the world should be right-wing fundamentalist nut jobs too. No, I think a healthy community, the more diverse it is, the healthier it is. Because it's learning, the community is learning how to cohabitate together, how to live together 
in love without compatibility of belief being a necessary component to to that it's not the glue compatibility of belief cannot be the glue no nope, nope. it has yeah. to be love and mutual respect and and so when we see a church and it's very rarely happens i've seen it happen now and then that expresses that kind of unity and diversity it's powerful and it should be an expression a microcosmic expression of what the world can be like and so i see it out there not it's a human problem it's not just a christian church religious problem it's a human problem of community and how can we live together with diversity and you know so that's why i my cartoons more and more even though there's jesus in it and the church in it and, and all that i i hope that they become more and more universal in their application and appeal for the world to become a better place that, that's why i'm still doing this that's why i'm still caring about people who are questioning their beliefs and their faith and the relationship with the church and the ministry and all that stuff is because i think these people make great citizens and we we can make the world a better place yeah work with what you know i think that's the case too like i think more and more where can i be effective or where can people what do i understand well yeah. i understand like you said this felt need i i think the world and i will yell it from a mountaintop i think what the world is missing right now is empathy and i don't mean that from like a political one political side's not doing it and the other one is no i think overall we no longer know how to exist in the tension of different belief we don't and and it's great marketing's figured out how to do it marketing has figured out how to somehow convince me that not only do we think differently you are literally a different type of being mm -hmm. i don't, i can't understand you and we've lost the ability to do community well and we know that because you know algorithms figure out who our friends are and who we need to hear from and so we just keep hearing the same and i think one of the things i used to say quite a bit about why local churches matter is i don't get to decide who i'm hanging out with in a local church whereas i live in a part of the country and world where due to privilege and all kinds of things i can decide to a hundred percent just be around people who are of similar socioeconomic because the grocery store i go to is you know, it's not the expensive one, but it's not the poor one. I can go to my gym. Uh, you have to be able-bodied pretty much to be able to be at that gym. I can, you know, my co-working space costs so much money per month. So you can really curate a life that doesn't allow you to encounter difference of thought other than when you turn on the TV or not even that, like scroll through and you go, oh, these people are idiots. And to the point where you get the inability to sit in tension of difference. And, and that's not diversity, friends. Just because we look different perhaps the battle is not quote unquote one we still have to figure out how to sit with people that are different than us and and if it's not now i'm not saying if it's harmful to you you know i do not want you know i'm not asking uh to use your imagery i'm not asking the rainbow sheep to go in and sit in the midst of it that is not but those of us who are capable of being an allyship and sitting there maybe that's our task so I agree with you. It is that thing that keeps me going anyway. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. 
If you want to come on, just let us know. When I left the ministry in 2010, I what I, I did a couple of years stint teaching at a university, and but during that time, I experienced a lot of loneliness. I missed community and all that, and so I I tried out different things. I tried out Toastmasters and different clubs and gyms, or you know, just trying to meet people, just trying to figure out, trying to find community. I watched documentaries on cults during that time. There's three or four documentaries on cults. Every I'm not going to act like I haven't watched all of them. But that's keep going. that's such a mind trip. They all are in tears because they miss the intensity of community. And I started thinking, mm. wait a minute, that's how I feel. And I left that because it was abusive to me and limiting to me. I felt controlled and coerced and manipulated and overpowered and limited in who I could be. And so, and, and, but it, to them, it didn't matter. They were getting robbed blind. They were being abused, sexually included and all kinds of, but they, all of them, all of them miss that intensity of community. Yes. And so I started thinking, wait a minute, maybe that's not normal and healthy. Maybe that stuff that we miss kind of comes with a package of being a member of a herd. Because because when I went to, when, when you go to church, you're handed everything on a platter. You're handed your friends, you're handed your activities. Oh, you're yeah. Handed, you're handed what to do with your money. You're handed what, how to choose a spouse, how to, you know, everything. How to raise your kids. Yeah. You know, here's the program. Yeah. And, and And everybody you meet is like a basic cookie cutter image of yourself. And, and, and there's not very much diversity. So now I'm, I'm just trying to tell people, you know what? You just have to grow up and make friends. You just have to make friends and you have to realize they're not going to be the same as you are. And it's going to be new to you and interesting, but that's, it's a human problem of, of making friends and keeping friends and, and nurturing friendships and, and the kind of diversity. Yeah. And in the church too, it's like, you can lose friends so fast, not in ways that, like because because right belief is the is the glue, the glue, so to speak. Like you can lose friends so fast. Like I've I've have had to relearn how to make friends and disagree with people because my assumption is, well, if we disagree, I guess we're done. And I don't know that intellectually, but that emotional, like, well, I'll just go along then in this friendship because because that's what we are trained to do and as pastors you're the ringleader of that in some ways and like i guess how how do you or how have you i guess to use a better term how have you reparented yourself and learned some of those skills that maybe you didn't learn and what are some ways that some of our listeners particularly those that are coming out of ministry because ministry it's like you're not just losing your friends you're losing your profession and so there's added layers to that oh man so many layers yeah I actually have a course. I don't talk about it a whole lot because I'm renovating it right now on how to leave the ministry or reflect for the real world. That is one of the one of the things is you know when I left the ministry, I was broke. I had to file for bankruptcy. Lisa had gone back to school. She had become a nurse. Our kids had left home, empty nest. We lost all our friends. I lost my sense of destiny and purpose and vocation, lost our, our paycheck. Yeah, lost things to do. <laughs> like, it, was, it was like the perfect storm. It was a couple of year, rough years, actually. Even our marriage suffered. We almost didn't make it. Like It was a couple of rough years. And it took some counseling. 
and coaching and time and Lisa and I conversing and renegotiating how to be married and, you know, how to do life and then sitting down and figuring out, okay, how can we make friends? Like, what are we going to do? Like, do you put it in the newspaper? (laughs) (laughs) Couple looking for friends. Oh, here's a couple. Oh, you might end up with some interesting responses. (laughs) Well-meaning former pastors looking for friends. (laughs) It's an open marriage. Um, So, uh, which I'm not opposed to. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you're fine. But so it, it took, it took, it's taken us a long time to learn how to how to be friends with people who are, are different than us. And- I there's this thing too, you know. I coach people. That's you know. I I wanted to be really careful not to become an expert or need to be an expert in a room. Right. Once you've been a pastor, you're used to being an expert within friendships, which is a weird thing. Like, why is my friendship always trying to steer people towards something, whether you know it or not? So I was the same as you. I planted a church, and once you've done that you realize like you don't know how to kind of be yourself because you're always in the back of your mind wondering, is this person ever going to intend my church? And then do I need to like adjust how I am with them? And so once I left ministry, I actually got a coaching credential that has really helped me as I help other people do the process. I think through like what, you know, because I'll ask them like, what do you do to make friends? And they're like, oh, well, what do you mean? And I'll ask like, what are the things you love to do? And so then I, you know, I have a client right now who left ministry and had this list of things that she realized she loved to do. And I said, well, are you doing any of those things? And she was like, I am not. I was like, okay, so let's, <laughs> let's just choose one thing. And then I told her my challenge for her and we're meeting again next week is I want you to go to one of these things and I want you to talk to someone you don't know. And I don't want you to talk about work. Mm. I said, I don't want you to talk about work. I don't want to, I don't want you to tell them you're an ex pastor. I said, if it comes up great, but I want the conversation to be about, you know, the present stuff, things they, instead of asking, what do you do? Like, yeah. how do you spend your time? Tell me about like, what makes you laugh? Like what are, and you'll get to know a person in such a different way than yeah. when the question is always leading with work. And I think you're right. I mean, Justin, I think the use of the reparenting term yeah. is key. Like, yeah. cause it is, it's, we didn't always learn how to do that. I moved from Canada to the South when I was in high school, learning how to make friends. It was just easy to join a youth group, you know, yeah. and that work, I felt so out of sorts anyway to be able to go to a place and at least feel safe the word i felt was safe it was probably a false safety right because the minute my beliefs weren't right i was not welcome there but i didn't know that i think i just knew that when i was in high school in a country that i wasn't from people said hi to me in the hallways and that was all i needed and i think we there is this beautiful work to help people understand where they're coming from why it isn't always translatable to other people and so I, i also think that does speak to your your work because it is something that can be shared and maybe you can share this one and maybe people won't understand this one but they really understand this one in a way that makes it possible for them to even start in conversation with people yeah 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 like i see a gathered community even around your work which is kind of well there is i you know i i do have an online community the lasting supper which is small but my instagram account for example feels like community to me me too. It's fun there and we work hard to keep it safe. But, you know, for me, I kind of, I, like I said, I, I taught in university for a little bit, but I kind of, I'm, I've kind of found myself back into kind of what a pastor does, but I'm, right. more, but I'm not interested in your theological outcome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm more interested yeah. in you assuming your own freedom and 
you empowering yourself to live your own freedom and to become your your authentic self. So I'm not I'm not interested in what your theological outcome is or your church outcome or religious outcome. That to me, that, that's incidental. If you got there in your own free will, that to me is the point. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I have one question from our patient. I want to make sure we get to, which is how do you deal with this anger? If they're if they they have this anger coming out of the church, kind of their eyes being open to a lot of the things that your cartoons deal with. How do you, because you're addressing the thing, right? So you're having to kind of be there. How do you deal with that anger? So first of all, anger, I was always told anger was a bad thing. And if you were angry, you had to have it all settled by sundown. <laughs> Don't let the sun yeah. go down in your wrath. That's so you have one day to be angry. Advice. And uh, Not at all. Yeah, so that just doesn't work. I don't think that's what that meant anyway. But anger is a legitimate emotion. You need to deal with it. It's like I say, feel the feels. We always mm-hmm. have to feel the feels because that way it can flow through you. It can eventually work its way through you. If you deny it or you prevent it or you block it, you're going to get stuck there. So feel the feels. It's a legitimate emotion that you must feel and 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 work on and just deal with it. Feel it. Let it go eventually. And so naked pastor, I'm not trying to instruct people. I'm basically sharing my journey. And a lot of people would say, gee, you seem awful angry as a judgment. I'm like, damn right I'm angry. And once in a while, you know, I dealt with that anger though by exercising it, right? Or sizing it and and purging it that way, um, get, getting it out there. And And once in a while, you know, when the Southern Baptist Convention or something buries their reports or when they're denied, you know, the right to make decisions over their own bodies or whatever, I get angry and I'll do a cartoon. And that's legitimate. That's me feeling my feels. <laughs> so, and, and when I do that, though, I can, I can move beyond that to a place of maybe actually letting that fire burn in a constructive or destructive way, whatever it might be, like where something needs to come down or something needs to be built up or whatever. So that, yeah, anger's legitimate. I think you need anger to feel joy. I would say just as someone who has watched your work from afar, watched videos that you said, being in this conversation with you, I would describe you as a joyful person. And I'm wondering if that's only possible because you've let, you've, you've hung out with anger yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. you've you've let it go through you and that way you can you can't you kind of can't decide which i think it's bernie brown even talks about this idea of like you can only experience every emotion if you allow yourself to experience every emotion but when you've been taught that your anger isn't okay i mean even the title of your book and going back to the picture on the front is jesus flipping a table we don't often talk about like Jesus getting pissed, <laughs> like, yeah, right? Like, like, cause that's like the don't do, don't do that. You can do every emotion. Here are the emotions you're allowed to have. In fact, one of your images is like people being handed like a smiley face as they head into church. Here's the appropriate emotion. Yeah. I'm going to say something super triggering for like white evangelicals. Like Jesus started a riot. Like, yeah. Jesus was a riot. That's what that was. Yep. Like <laughs> that was, and and he was and he was arrested in some ways for being disorderly in public yeah. and causing a public nuisance because he was angry, rightfully so. Like, yeah, when people say like, "Why are you angry?" Like, my response now is more like, "Why aren't you? Aren't you angry? <laughs> like, like, do you not observe what is happening? 
And so, yeah, like being comfortable with anger. And I think that Jesus does provide a good, honestly, if you, if, if you approach Jesus, I'm not going to say correctly, but if you approach <laughs> Jesus, like with, with all of a sudden you're here to fundamentalist. Yeah, this is fun, yeah, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, I feel like the scriptures can give you a lot of tools on how to handle anger appropriately, how to channel it appropriately, what to be angry at, but we've flattened it to this, like, in right, outright, upright, downright, happy all the time. And no one can do that. Least of all ministers who like, you're given the task of making a hundred and change people happy all the time. Oh my yeah. gosh. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that job. <laughs> Actually, that's so funny that you even say that. I think about, uh, you know, your experience of, of them. We want you to tell us what to think and, and how to, you know, this is what we're paying you to do. Mm -hmm. but it oh, has yeah. to be within a certain don't don't teach us how to question things yeah. right yeah. um yeah. And, and definitely don't react like if you went in that meeting been like the hell are you talking about and got like fired up mm -hmm. like that would be still being talked about today right whereas my friend who works in construction was telling me about telling off his one of his coworkers, and the guy was like cool <laughs> like i was like you could just do that he's like yeah he's like it was respectful and he was wrong i'm like i don't that even like oh Oh, but then I realized that's coming from my own trauma of having to maintain, you know, I joke around and call it the theology of frozen, conceal, don't feel. And when you've lived that long, it's hard to tap into those emotions without letting them control you. And I want to invite people, and I, I feel the same from your work, I want to invite people to feel those things. Like, it might feel like it's a really big feeling until you learn, you know, that a big feeling is not going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I write I I write about those things. I draw cartoons about those things because I I want I want people to feel validated in their journey. Now that's one of the big things that I notice with people when they maybe first come on my Instagram or they join the Last of Supper or whatever. And you've probably seen it too, where they're saying, "Oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'm right. not like this is normal." Like so, I'm trying to normalize deconstruction or whatever you want to call it, or leaving the church as a, you know, this is good. This is healthy. This is growing and processing and progressing, you know? And so I I enjoy doing that and um, helping people transition, you know? It's harder for pastors. I know, I was there. I've done it a couple of times, you know, where my only training has been in theology. Right. <laughs> and ministry. Like, what good are you in anything else, right? And I remember, you've heard of Tim Hortons, eh? Um, oh, I don't look. I heard it got bought out by Duncan. Is that true? Uh, well, you know, it's it owned by an American company now. Yes, but Timmy's <sighs> is a pretty Canadian thing. Very. Yeah. And I remember leaving the ministry, you know, and and going and looking for a job at Tim's, and I I felt so weird. It's like they're like, well, why would it says here you're a pastor? You minister, you left the ministry? Like, are you a pedophile or what like what's going on uh, you know, <laughs> leave the ministry to come work at tim Hortons. just you know? their only context for someone leaving <laughs> but you know what i ended up i ended up this took a while of learning i i was friends with a a business person who said you know and he knew enough about me to say look here's all the things you're good at that businesses need maybe some of your um friends might want to write some of these down but you're good at conflict resolution. You're good at public speaking. You're good at motivating. 
uh, cheerleading, whatever. You're good at fundraising. You got to do that every week. You're good at volunteerism. You're good at organizing groups, events, managing money, managing property. If you had a building, like there's all, you know, all kinds of skills that pastors have and they're not even aware of it. And my business friend was like, the, the business people I know, like they, they have a fraction of those skills and the business world is crying for people who have at least one of these skills and can do it decently, you know? And, and so there's been a lot of pastors who are transitioning out that I've said, here, redo your resume, totally take out the spiritual component of it and the religious component and just say uh, public speaking, conflict resolution, like, you know, leadership, you've run a leadership team, an organizational team, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of things. So what I chose was, well, I chose teaching and art and (laughs) art doesn't have much to do with the ministry, but I I'd been doing art already. And I just sort of put more of my energy into that. And, you know, I had to get over my attitude about money and marketing and sales and all that kind of thing, but I made it work. And I'm seeing other pastors do the same thing. We are so glad you did. And thank you for taking some time to talk to us about it. And I, I hope people will, will get the book. So it's flip it like this. And it has all, it's so good. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I, I just, it is so good. And I'm grateful for, for you challenging yourself to do this as a, as an outlet. Thank you for inspiring folks who need to find an outlet themselves. I think that's the beauty. If, if I hope folks heard from this conversation that, you know, there, there's something inside of you that you can do, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be hugely profound. We have this idea of thanks to Rick Warren, that there's one purpose for your whole life, but just sort of the happy accidents that led you to doing what you're doing right now, people have got it in them. So thank you for giving us a little bit of joy today and teaching us the flip side of anger. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're enjoying the conversations you hear on recovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in what's known as the recovery room on discord to access our discord. Please join our Patreon to be a part of this community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and that gives you access to the community resources as well as it helps us to be able to produce the show. Check it out on patreon.com slash Now we know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are so many ways you can support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you are currently listening and make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Rev Covery Room is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's our handle. So come find us and let's keep the conversation. Another live event is coming up and we want to meet you face to face. Our friend Trip Fuller of the Homebrewed Christianity Podcast is throwing what can only be described as the ultimate podcast party. And friends, you are invited. Come to Theology Beer Camp, which is a three-day theological podcast beer nerd fest. So for $50 off your registration, please make sure to use the code REVCOVERY. You can come thirsty, you're going to get nerdy, and it's three days of theological zest. Who doesn't want to go to this? It's October 13th through the 15th in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And again, don't forget to use the REVCOVERY code because that's going to get you $50 off. And then we can finally meet face-to-face. On to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Uh, Thank you so much for sticking around to the end here for the weekly poem. Uh, The weekly poem this week is actually going to be a quote from uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a book a few years ago called Big Magic. 
If you are a creative person, I would highly recommend you read it. It is a wonderful book. Uh, it's been very helpful to me and a lot of other things so much for just produce great things in the world and, and not even great things in the world. I shouldn't say that actually. I think living a creative life and producing things that bring you joy, whether they do great things or not, I think is maybe a better way to put it. But she has a wonderful perspective and I just wanted to share something from that book with you all as we think about our conversation with, with David, as well as what, what does creativity mean to us and how do we live an authentic life? And here's the quote. The universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. So this, I believe, is the central question upon which all creative living hinges. Do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? I'm just going to ask that again. Do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? And my hope, my desire, my prayer even, for all of us listening, that we would have that courage and that we'd be able to share our treasures with the world around us. Thanks. Have a great week. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.